Welcome to the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero and so glad you joined us today and so glad we have an opportunity to talk to somebody that I'm working with here in town, which I am quite impressed with, frankly, and that's one of the reasons why I asked her to join us on the show today. Her name is Barb Schmidt, and she's the Executive Director for The Reading People. Now, you might know them as a Capital Area Reading Coalition. Others might know them as The Reading People. I know her as Barb Schmidt, and welcome, Barb. We're glad you're here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, it's so nice of you to join us and so good to know what you do. And I thought our audience would really enjoy hearing a little bit about your story and also the great work that you're doing there with the reading people. But before we do that, why don't you give us kind of the overview of a little bit about what the Capital Area Reading Coalition really is. Tell us about that. Well, what we do is we started out originally helping people learn to read, write, and comprehend what they're reading. At this time, we have different aspects that we've also added in because we could see the need in the community. So this would include high school completion with a GED program. We also have an English second language program. So we're helping a lot of the refugees that are coming to our area and people who have been here but have not learned to speak English or comprehend it. And we also have another person, a reading specialist, who helps people who cannot read, period. They have problems with reading or they're reading, but they can't really understand what they're reading. So we do assessments. All of our services are free, so the price is right. (laughs) (laughs) We just have you give us a call. Well, and and as as they say, nothing's ever for free. Are you publicly funded? Are you governmentally funded? Are you looking for donations? How does it work for your organization? We're always looking for donations. I write a number of grants every year. Occasionally, we do have two foundations that have been very helpful to us over the last few years, and we're looking for more of those. But most of our money, honestly, comes from people in the communities just sending us a check or going to our website and donating money. Well, that's great. And those people that understand the power of reading. And let me ask you this. Where did that come from in your mind? I mean, I don't think you become the executive director for an organization like this without really believing in the cause and mission. So can you take me back to the early days for Barbara Schmidt? Was reading something that was part of your world child? Has, yes, I've always been a very avid reader. And I made some changes in my life. And in 2017, I came here for a job opening and I actually ran the department that helps people get their high school diploma and we have a children's program as well. So I've always been really into kids. I have five of my own and six grandchildren. So (laughs) it kind of was a perfect fit for me. And I got to know the founder of this organization, Dr. Lois Bader, and we just clicked. (laughs) Well, that's great. It just felt like the right kind of match for you. Well, where is home for you? Is it Lansing? or Michigan or where? I have lived in this area my entire life. Oh, very good. Did you graduate from one of the local high schools? Yes. Actually, I attended Haslett until the eighth grade, and then I went. my parents moved to Okemos. So I graduated from Okemos. I graduated from LCC, and I have been at MSU. Well, very good. I'm a hometown girl. (laughs) I love it. Well, and you know, the reason why I ask about the early days is because I'm involved with a program through Lansing Housing Commission actually does some sponsorship of the Dolly Parton Reading 
I think it's called the Magic Library, but the whole point the Imagination of, Library. Thank you. I was blanking You're on welcome. that. But you know, that program's so cool because it helps brand new born babies all the way up to five years old. They get a free book and they're quality books once a month and uh, they're free of charge. And it's all encouraging helping people to read at a very young age. So when you were younger, did somebody come alongside you and read to you and teach you the value of reading? Actually, my mom was an avid reader as well. So, so that did, is well, how I began. Yeah, and is it a passion for you? Yes, it very much is. How I about read that? several books a week. A week, wow. You know, uh, my problem is unless they have beautiful pictures, I probably don't read a whole lot of books. <laughs> It's really hard for me to sit down with a three or four inch book, you know, because I'm sitting there going, oh my word, it's hard to get through that. But I love the fact that some people have read and are avid readers and people that we always like to say, if you're a reader, you're a leader. Because people, I had a mentor years ago that used to say, except for the people you meet and the books you read, for all intents and purposes, 10 years from now are going to be the same person. So you grow through reading, you grow through the people you meet in your life and the things that come and go out of your life. And so I just think that you're providing a great opportunity for people to be a part of that. So with that in mind, you have actually your offices are right on Saginaw Highway in the center part of Lansing. Am I correct? Yeah, we're very near the corner of Saginaw, Pennsylvania. So we're by Sparrow. You can see that out our back window. (laughs) Well, that's where all the action happens, right? So how long have you guys been in that location? Well, the business itself started in 1987. And I believe, I wasn't here then, but I believe it was about the 80s when they found this business. It was a doctor's office. So we have two buildings. One building is our offices where we see people and tutor them. And the other building is actually filled with thousands and thousands of books from infant to adult. So (laughs) we give those away every day. You're welcome to come in anytime. Your audience. And does that mean you accept book donations as well? We definitely accept book donations. All of our books are donated. Well, let's talk about that when we come back from a break, because we're going to take a quick break right now on the Leadership Lowdown. And this is the Michigan Business Network. I'm so glad we've got Barb Schmidt with us. We're going to be right back after these messages. The Michigan Works Association believes the key to advancing prosperity across the state is accomplished through building a skilled workforce. As the state's primary workforce development association, their focus is to continue to move the needle on policy, education, and collaboration. They're creating an opportunity and building stronger communities by advocating and innovating together. And we're back right here on the Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network. I've got Barb Schmidt with me, and she is, of course, the Executive Director of the Reading People. And I needed to tweak the title I gave her a little bit because I knew the acronym was CATL, which is basically Capital Area Literacy Coalition. But that's a mouthful, isn't it, Barb? So we like to call you the Reading People, right? That's a little easier? Yeah. 
Yeah. Yes, it very much is. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, when mom used to call me Victor Joseph, I knew I was in trouble. So if somebody, <laughs> you go by all the names, right? So you can get a hold of you yeah. by the reading people or by the Capital Area Literacy Coalition. So we've got that figured Absolutely. out. But Barb, yeah. you are have the amazing opportunity to be in the leadership role here with this great organization. But it didn't start by you. And you got a chance to take over yeah. the reins from somebody that had a vision. And I think... Her name was Dr. Lois Bader, and Dr. Bader actually had an idea, and she got this whole thing started, right? Do I have that right? Yes, you do. She absolutely did. She was a Ph.D. professor from Michigan State University. She was also an international speaker on the field of literacy and wrote many, many books. And while she was at MSU teaching, she realized how poorly the reading levels were in the Lansing area and beyond. So she and a group of friends had this idea to start this, but she really took the ball and ran with it. We like to say that she was our biggest donor and she was also our biggest volunteer because she never took one cent from this business. And when she left, we had a savings account. Oh, those <laughs> were the good old days. <laughs> hard to leave that. Yeah, we haven't touched that since I've been in charge. Oh, good. Her health began declining. She passed away a year or so ago, and uh-huh. she was an amazing woman, just amazing. Well, and do you know anything about her inspiration? Because, you know, my tagline on my email is, anybody can make a living, I want to make a difference. So here's somebody that obviously was making a living, very successful, but it was also, she started living out a passion of hers. Any insight onto what inspired Uh, her to do more? she grew up very, very poor. And she talks about living in a shack, I believe it was in Tennessee. And she said her big passion in life was to get to go to the library and get some books to read. And she actually was a Mensa member. She's very intelligent. And that just took off for her. She just knew that education was the way out for her. And that's what she pursued. Well, and isn't it interesting? I don't mean to mix these stories, but you know, as a youngster, I remember my sister and I would ride up the big hill probably a half mile, maybe close to a mile away from our house on a certain day to go to the bookmobile. And so having a chance when you live in rural Michigan or rural America, you know, you don't have the abilities back then. There was no internet. There was no information. And that bookmobile was a big resource. And for some kids, frankly, the internet's not that readily available because of costs and some other things. And so getting a hard book in their hand is kind of exciting. And so Dr. Bader's concept and vision was spot on, even though we live in an internet world, right? Right. Yeah. When she started it, of course, we did not yeah, <laughs> as much right. as we do now, but yes, absolutely. And we do have, many of our students here do not have computers. They do not have internet access at their homes. So, you know, even though we take it for granted, a lot of people do not still. Yeah, and I think that's really exceptional. And so, you know, some of the greatest lessons that you learned from Dr. Bader along the way, were there some things that she pulled you aside and said, this is what I believe in, or maybe principles that she put in motion for the Capital Area Literacy Coalition that kind of set aside or set a direction that creates your pillars, if you will, of what keeps your organization focused? 
Yeah, she was a very strong believer in meeting a person where they're at at that moment. Oh, um, and that's so very important. She also, you know, was one to always say, you don't know, you know, where they're coming from, what they've been through in their life. You know, we're just going to start where they are. We're going to help them. You know, it's very hard for people to come in in their 30s and say, you know, I can't read signs. I would like to drive, but I don't know what any of those signs mean or I can't read my prescription bottle we have people come in all the time with things like this but they don't want to tell you they can't read they'll tell you in a different way or they've thought of elaborate ways to get around reading you know they may have somebody they call on all the time or you know it's very unusual how people make systems up for themselves and we have to undo that in a way to help them learn to read I think to your point, I think you would attest to this. Because you can't read, it doesn't have anything to do with your level of intelligence. It just means oh, no. that somehow no. the system or your life experience left you behind. And Correct. as a result, you might be somebody that can truly make incredible contributions if we can just get you over that hurdle. And because there's such right. a stigma about it, I'm sure an awful lot of people run around basically embarrassed and kind of, you know, trying to hide the fact that that's oh, yeah. a deficiency Absolutely. that they have. Well, and I love the fact that this is a value that what you and the Capital Area Literacy Coalition is all about, helping people become the reading people. And so, Barb Schmidt, we're glad you're with us right here on the Leadership Lowdown, and we'll be right back on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero. Thanks for tuning in. For something to grow, it takes time, like the equity in your home. That's why LaughQ offers a home equity line of credit, because frequent watering of your houseplants may be recommended. Now can we get a new roof? Not so much the rest of the house. Want the best rates for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to LaughQ.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. This is the Michigan Business Network. This is also the Leadership Lowdown, and I've got Barb Schmidt with me. She's the Executive Director for the Capital Area Literacy Coalition. (laughs) That's the reading people, and she's helping people become readers all around the greater mid-Michigan area. And so we're so glad that Barb is with us today talking about some of the great work she does. And of course, I'm so excited to learn about Dr. Bader, the founder and one of the creators of the great organization. But you know, this thing doesn't happen alone. Not just with Dr. Bader, but it takes staff, it takes volunteers, it takes cash and a lot of things to keep it all going. So tell me about, you have some staff, but I think the magic ingredient for a lot of these kind of organizations is volunteers. Would you agree? Absolutely. We could not function without our volunteers. Well, tell me about what volunteering for the reading people looks like. What are the kind of positions you love to fill? Well, We have a number of different openings, but our main ones are tutoring our students. And what we do is we have you come to a tutor training, which we offer once a month. 
tutor training and dinner usually, but we can do them in the daytime as well now. What we do is we teach people how to teach people. So you can focus on helping a basic reader. You can focus on helping people getting their high school diplomas or learning the English second language. We do have some other like part-time jobs, shelving books and doing things like that in our office, making copies, if that's what you're more interested in doing. But the main thing we need are tutors because we need to help people learn to do this. If you can read, you can tutor. As far as helping people in other languages, if you have another language, great. But the main one we're teaching is English. So you don't need to speak a different language to help our people. And we have people in charge of each of those departments that are all mostly our master level teachers. And they will be wonderful help to you. We have a fantastic staff at this time. So We'd love to have people come and volunteer. You can find out more about it on our website, which is just thereadingpeople.org, O-R-G. Or you can give us a call and talk to our volunteer coordinator about it. And you said the training takes place weekly or was it monthly? Once a month. Once a month. It, but we will do it at other times, too. We have staff available to do it what, here if you what want about to do it one-on-one. On one. What about for us slow learners? Can I come back every month and kind of get a refresher? <laughs> Because you said something about there was a meal with this thing too, right? I wanted to make sure I understood that. True. (laughs) Yes, there is. Because we have people come right after work, so we don't want them to sit there thinking about food. Yeah, can't can't have a hungry tummy while you're trying to learn. That's right. That's right. Well, it's interesting. You know, it's just interesting to me because I think that a lot of volunteers, if they can't see themselves doing something oh, I could never do that, or whatever their personal view is, that's kind of a tough thing. And I think if you can give them a can-do attitude and kind of a belief that, I could do that, I mean, that's really, and what you're telling me is that, look, for those of us that have been blessed with a different life's path that allows us to read, you're suggesting that, hey, all I've got to do is come in and help somebody along the way, and you're going to show them the techniques you're going to show them what, and I don't want to sound corny here, but I'm sure it's a bit of a loving encouragement as people are learning to read, right? Oh, yeah, yeah it's fantastic. Yeah. The volunteers are always surprised at how good they feel oh, yeah. after, you know, when they make breakthroughs with their client and whatever. It's a really nice thing to see them. We have volunteers that come to our graduations. We have four graduations a year. And they come and they see the person get their diploma, and it's just really heartwarming. It's very nice. Well, and isn't it interesting? You know, <laughs> it's exciting for people, and I hope I'm not giving a bad example of this. You mentioned your grandchildren. I have a beautiful six-year-old granddaughter, and she is starting to spell everything. And I remember the old days, we used to be able to say and spell something, and everything would fly right over her head, right? Right. We start spelling stuff. For example, yesterday, her family was over and her dad said, hey, I saw an M-O-U-S-E in the basement. And so, you know, all of a sudden, well, that didn't work very well because we've been spelling Mickey Mouse for quite a while now. So she knew exactly (laughs) what was going on. And so, but I think the interesting thing to me, Barb, is that I see the excitement in her as she learns new letters and as she learns how to spell and she learns how to read and it's like and it just keeps kind of getting more and more and I can only imagine somebody that's been left behind in their life and in that 
now all of a sudden they start making strides. It's got to be one of the most exciting things. It's for just a, as exciting if you're older as it is when you're younger. I, I can tell you that. I, right? These people all I the think time. I got to yeah. believe you're right. And I think it's so exciting yeah, it for is. people to be able to uh, be a volunteer and say, I had a hand in that. Right? So your volunteers have got to feel, talk about paychecks, dollars and cents are gone in an instant, but those kind of memories as a volunteer and your mental paycheck can live forever. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Our oldest student here right now is, she's just about to be 84. And she came to us just a few years ago and she couldn't read anything. And now she's reading books. Oh. <laughs> reading paperback <laughs> novels and she's so happy <laughs> oh wow and think yep. about the never world never too late to learn never too late to learn and think about the world that you're unpacking for her and all the other people that you're doing down there at the reading coalition wow barb we're so excited to talk to you about this today on the leadership lowdown so glad you tuned in to the michigan business network we're gonna go pay some bills and come right back The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. And we're back right here on the Leadership Lowdown, of course, and we're back with Barb Schmidt, who is the executive director for the Reading People. And Barb, you know, when we talk about volunteers, we get involved in all kinds of things in our world. And sometimes I think about the things we get asked to do and whether or not that's me or I'm not sure I could do that. Well, there's a spot for everybody if you're willing to make a difference in your community. And so one of the things I wonder about is you have volunteers that you could use on your board even, right? I mean, Absolutely. So tell me about your current board. Well, our current board is actually all new since the pandemic, and it's a very much a working board, which is fantastic. I try to approach people who had different backgrounds that would be helpful to us as a nonprofit. So we have a gentleman, for instance, who was in the radio market or the television market in the Detroit area, and he is now making commercials for us, which is fantastic. So we can get the word out about, you know, what we do here and to help people that don't know about our organization. We have another one who was a former teacher, and she's really into all sorts of communications and has written a whole new manual for our board, etc. And so our mission statement now is empowerment through literacy, which I truly believe with reading, you are empowering your life in so many ways. We're looking for new board members currently, some with financial backgrounds, some with media backgrounds some with teaching backgrounds. I mean, there's so many diverse things we do here, and everybody kind of has their own little niche that they're working in. We only meet four times a year, so it's not a huge time commitment, but it makes all the difference. Having this working board has been fantastic for our organization. Well, and I think the other thing, too, is it just becomes, I'm involved with another organization here in town, and they have kind of, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it's basically once every other month they have these meetings 
to help people like me or others that are involved to become more of an ambassador for their organization. And I love the fact that as a board member with only four meetings a year, the fact that you can talk in a knowledgeable way about some of the work that's being done and also just being a friend of your organization, that can be pretty powerful stuff. And so talk about making a difference, whether it's a board member, whether it's sitting one-on-one with a student, whether it's helping around the offices there to make sure that you're keeping things organized. (laughs) You mentioned to me, Barb, the other day that you like being organized. So I know that your offices have come a long way since you first initially got going when you and I were talking, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we kind of gutted the place during the pandemic for the few months that we had to be closed. A couple of us came in every day. It was really hard work, but it's so much better. Yeah. So much more welcoming, and it's great. It's yeah. really great. Well, I think that's great. So tell me, as you think about some of the funding challenges, what are you running into out there? Because what I find is that when you go for grant money, You don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Probably having a a diversity of funding is pretty important. Can you speak to me a little bit about how you approach trying to fund an organization like this so that you don't end up with, oh, we lost our grant, we're shutting down? Right. Yeah, that's always the worry. You know, and since the pandemic, so many more people are applying for grants that the competition has become extremely stiff. You know, there have been a lot of nonprofits that couldn't make it through that time as well because it's, you know, basically you're not making any money. And the more people that come in, the more it's costing you. So, you know, you have to really balance that out. I actually taught my staff last summer for the people that were interested how to write grants. So I've got a couple people now that are busy writing grants as well, which is wonderful. They're learning new skill and, you know, it's helping us to bring some more money into the organization. Well, and think about how excited they would be if they actually were the authors of a grant that your organization landed and they yes. were the author of that. There's got to be a lot experience. of, well, they've got to be pretty excited about that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very exciting. Yes, it is. It's a beautiful skill to have as well. Well, and, and, organizations and when you think about them. that, Barbara, are there some skills that you could say, well, you've got to be able to do this, this, and this? I mean, is it that straightforward or what are your thoughts on that? Grant writing, you kind of have to understand the lingo that the organization is using. You have to realize that people reading the grants, especially in bigger organizations, might not have any idea what you do. They don't understand your abbreviations, you know, things like that. Just little things make a huge difference. They don't want to read pages and pages and pages. And every format is going to be different. All the requirements are always different. So there, everyone you open up is like a new, okay, what are we doing now? Yeah. <laughs> Just because that's the nature of grants. Well, I think you said... And you can write a beautiful grant and not get it because, you know, your competition is so huge. They have to pick what's best for their organization. True. So you have to kind of think about that. Yeah. And Barb, you know, the other thing I think is out there is that you mentioned something that I am just fascinated by. As I travel around doing some of my consulting work and different things we work with, it's interesting to me to find the different languages that exist inside of different industries. And some of them, they just waller in them. I mean, I'm just amazed at their acronyms and they're almost kind of laugh about it. But when they have a new person that signs up, matter of fact, years ago, I had a new employee that came in and that person was part of my media team. And I had her attend some of my corporate meetings. 
And so we're in these corporate meetings and she came out of that meeting with, I'm making this up, but I think I'm pretty close. I think probably about 25 different buzzwords that we used in the meeting. She had no clue what they meant. No idea. Yeah. And so grant writing and also Barb, I think when you talk to volunteers, when you're trying to entice volunteers, you've got to talk in a language that appeals to them as well and they can understand. And so we're glad you're helping us understand your world, Barb, because we're pretty excited about what you're doing right there with the reading people. And we're excited to take a quick break and we'll be right back after these messages. At DBI, we do office and have been exceeding our customers' expectations since 1984. DBI is celebrating its 40th anniversary as a premier office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. DBI offers more products and services than any other office supply and furniture dealer in mid-Michigan. Find out what DBI can do for your office at dbis.com. And we're back right here on the Michigan Business Network. You know, I have Barb Schmidt with me. She's the executive director. Anyone that's been in a leadership role knows that when they ascend to those positions, that it doesn't always come, well, let's just say, with all the glory, big paycheck, and glamour. <laughs> so when you're working yeah, in a yeah, when you're working in a nonprofit, Barb, I'm sure there's been some things that have come along that are a little bit different than a for-profit enterprise. Can you give me your thoughts on that nonprofit world as an executive director? What surprises have come along? Well, I have worked in the for-profit industry prior to this, and the big difference, honestly, is you can't count on any money, so you're always scrambling for money. You know, unexpected things come up, and I don't know, there's just so many weird parts about it. Like, for instance, because you are working on a limited budget, we always have a skeletal staff. You know, I'd love to have my own administrative assistant, but I am my own administrative assistant. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm HR. It's like, hey, give me a cup of coffee. Oh, wait, I got to go do that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's nothing like that. You know, you have to work with an accountant, of course, so you have to get your financial ducks in a row, honestly, you know, because that's a requirement for a nonprofit. Yeah, sure. So... That's been a learning curve for me. There's just so many aspects of it, you know, that people think, because they think that you have all these things happening, they don't realize you're doing it, you know. Many a Saturday I've been in here doing other things because we're not open on that day, just because, you know, there's no time during the week sometimes. So it has long hours, and people will call me at night from the board and stuff and want to talk about different things and all I want to do is veg out but you can't really do that <laughs> no because, no you know those are important calls as well you yeah know? of so course they are you have to be willing to be a person with wearing many many hats well and Barb it reminds me of what we talk about sometimes you know on this show I get the privilege of talking to a lot of different enterprises and people with different pathways to their success and sometimes I talk about small business owners, you know, and what you just were talking about reminds me of the glories of working for yourself, which is, oh, yeah, I'm the head custodian. Uh, oh, yeah, right. I'm the head accountant. Oh, yeah, I've got to make sure that I've got the financials figured out. And I've got to be the PR guy as well as the social media expert. Those things, right. that when you're in a small organization and you're working 
as an executive director before you can get to the point where you can hire it all done. You've got to build it and you've got to have great people. And I know that you've done a good job of gathering some staff that you're excited about. And you mentioned that to me before off air talking about how proud you were of the staff that you have. Can you tell me, are there some things you're looking for when you go to hire staff? I want to know they have experience in the field that I'm going to hire them for, of course. I want to see that they understand our clientele. You know, we've had people, for instance, that just don't understand that these people are no or low income. They don't, you know, they're like, what are you doing on spring break? That isn't in the cards at this moment, you <laughs> yeah, know. Good point. You know, they just, they have to understand that because you got to, Again, you have to work with the person where they've come from, where they're at at this moment. So that kind of thing is very important to me. Kindness is very important. Many of our people have low self-esteem when they come in because they don't want to have this issue, whatever it is they're dealing with as far as literacy. So it's a beautiful thing. You can just watch them. They feel better and better as they make more success and they reach their goals. It's really amazing. So the people I work with, I look for those kind of qualities in them as well. And they can work with the team because all of us do everybody's jobs sometimes. You know, they need some help. They're busy with their group. You know, I go in and I'll set somebody up to take a test. Or I can work with somebody for a little bit until the person can, you know, get to them or whatever. You have to be able to be a good team member. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's interesting. So how do you combat... The situation where you're looking for somebody with experience and all those great attributes you just described, but look, you can't go out and pay them the same as a Fortune 500 company no. can, right? No, so, not, so, not how, even close. So are there ways that you find in a, a KG way that you as executive director of a nonprofit can find a way to attract the right people, and even though you can't pay them in a certain way, are there other elements that give them value in what they do How do you coach that? Well, you know, obviously I've done a lot of interviews where people didn't get the job. And sometimes I think that it's going to be good, but it's not. And it's pretty apparent usually quickly. Well, I think what you mentioned along the way is the fact that you probably have to look for somebody in that maybe has experience and friendliness and all those attributes, but also has in their interpersonal spirit somebody that wants to help others. Because what your staff is doing is a mission. It's not a payday. It's doing something of value. And I think about so many different career entities and different people I talk to that have people that are just cashing the check and thumping on whatever the XYZ is. But in terms of making a difference, well, wait a minute. That's what the reading people do, right? So that's got to be part of what you coach. Yes, that is part of what we coach, for sure. Yeah, making all the difference. Well, you're making a difference here today with us, Barb. I want to thank you for being with us, and I want to thank everyone for tuning in to the Leadership Lowdown. we got one quick segment left, and we'll be right back after these messages. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. Michigan. 
We're in our final segment with Barb Schmidt. She is the executive director for the Reading People. That is, of course, the Capital Area Literacy Coalition, and they do such great work in helping people discover a whole new world when they give them a chance to learn and uh, understand the value of reading. And so, Barb, part of what I want to make sure in this last segment, you know, there's just lots of ways for people to plug in. And, you know, one of the things we were talking about is that, you know, if I have a large rotary club or if I have a large civic organization or business or whatever, I can flex my muscle and put together some pretty big fundraising events. And if everybody just does a little, then we end up with a big success. But, you know, when we talk about what a limited organization is and some of the limited resources, we just need to rely on people doing the right thing. And so tell me if somebody wants to say, you know what, I see a lot of value in helping people lift themselves out of poverty and into a path of success. I want to be a part of that. How do they do that? Are they going to go on to your website? Is that where you direct them? Is there a way to donate there? There's several ways. The website, of course, which is thereadingpeople.org, is one way. There is an area there to do that. People send us money in the mail. People come in and they want to see the place and see where their money's going. I love to give tours, so you yeah. can come in anytime. That's typically how we get money from donors. Yeah, and do you have so, some folks that have kind of surprised you where they brought in a cherished set of books or they've Here's my kids, you know, my 18 years, a collection of my kids' books. They didn't want them. Here you go. And now they kind of paid it for it. Is that kind of the things you see all the time? We we definitely get that all the time. We have teachers. We know in the summer we're going to have teachers who retired who realize, you know, they're not going to need all these materials. They'll bring us mini boxes of their materials, which we share with our volunteers in the community. There's... Most interestingly, when I took over this position, I wanted my GED graduates to have caps and gowns because that's kind of a traditional thing. And we did move with the Capital Area District Library. We have a graduation ceremony. They have a beautiful stage that they allow us to use. And so it makes it much more special. We have the music, the whole thing. We want them to feel good about graduating. And so... People, I asked for donations. We were hoping to get 10 or maybe 15 caps and gowns. Well, we got over 500, oh and they came to us, like, wrapped in tissue, and you could, some of them were so old, they were crinkly. <laughs> it was amazing, but, you know, obviously, we didn't have storage for 500, so I contacted area high schools that we knew the colors, you know, for, of course, yeah. and they were happy to receive them. We even had a group come all the way from Detroit who had a GED group that thought it was really cool to have these for the students, so they came and loaded up their car, Um, we let them wear whatever color they like. So everybody's a little different. (laughs) Well, and look how resourceful you were. And that's what I think when I give away something, my wife doesn't like the way I hoard things sometimes. But my issue is, wait a minute, somebody could use this and look at how creative you were. And so if you might have something along the reading lines, you know, before you send it to a dumpster or dismiss it, give the reading people a call because they might very well be pretty excited about what you've got there and what you can do. So, and that's the other thing. Don't dismiss yourself as, well, I could never do that. Man, what do you think, for example, Barb, could somebody come as a volunteer just to try to understand and maybe not commit, but if they came to one of your tutoring sessions once a month and came in to see, I just want to see if I think I can do it. Would that be a way for them to start? 
So yeah, no commitments. No, you didn't sign on the dotted yeah. line, right? You could just no, come and be come a part. They can come in and watch somebody doing it here too. Yeah, they can actually watch it in action. What a difference! Well, and so you're going to be working on grants. We're going to be working on making sure we get the word out. And are you guys active on social media at all? Is there anybody that would follow you yeah, on we Facebook? Have a Facebook site. We have a Facebook site. So well, and even if people as well. And if you think about it, even if I was just to go like your Facebook page, that's a slight way of helping you get the word out about the reading people. Because as you and I were it talking really about, we, yeah, yeah, we have quite a few people on that site. Well, and we talk about the fact that not everybody knows what the Capital Area Literacy Coalition is, but the reading people is pretty understanding. We're helping people read and find a way forward. We're doing some great things. So that's kind of exciting. So if I understand, just in in summary here, Barb, we're talking about your first wish list probably is to make sure that we keep the place funded. And it's not like it's in desperate need, but certainly just like every nonprofit, give some thought to what's going on there because you're changing like the ripple effect for years and years and years when you take a family whose leader of the family can't read and all of a sudden that person becomes a reader, all of the great things that can happen, you've created something really powerful in lifting a community and a family out of the direction they were headed onto a brand new path. That's pretty important. When you think about cutting a $100 check, bam, that's doing something meaningful right there. When you talk about the grants, you're going to do doing grants. Maybe if you haven't been on a board of directors in a while and you want to help an organization four times a year, my gosh, that's pretty simple. And if you have a level of expertise, that would be a great way to help out. And then, of course, all along the way, if I've got that upstairs library that I'm thinking about right now that's kind of brimming with books, I might sort through some of those and maybe some of those could be paid forward. So, wow, you have inspired me, Barb. I think you're inspiring a lot of people and doing some great work. I want to personally say thank you for helping people change the trajectory in their life. You're doing great work. Thank you, Barb. Thank you for helping us get the word out about what we do here and what kind of help we could use here as well. Well, it's all good. It's great to have Barb Schmidt with us, the executive director for The Reading People. Go check them out for sure. Barb is making a difference. I challenge you to make a difference yourself. And until we meet again next time, I can't wait to talk to you next time. I'm Vic Versero right here on The Leadership Lowdown. We'll see you next time. <laughs>